Welcome, welcome. This is your friend, Joy Rose, otherwise known as JR from How Sweet the Sound. Today, I have been given the privilege and the honor to host the Forward Podcast. Uh, shout out to Pastor Gurton, Pastor G, for giving me this opportunity. It's uh, wonderful, but I think he gave it to me because I could do this just a tad bit better than he can because we are going to talk about infant mortality, uh, pregnancy complications, and things that are woman, <laughs> let me put it like that. So I won't narrow us into any kind of a box. Uh, with us today, we have uh, Miss Kara Casavan, who is the project facilitator of IU School of Medicine, Department of Pediatrics. Welcome. Thank you. We have Dr. David Boyle, who is the co-medical director of Riley Hospital Maternity and Newborn Health. Thank you, Russ. Uh, we have Samantha, whose last name just went completely out of my head. Because <laughs> that, that's Douglas. my butt. Samantha, welcome. <laughs> hey. Wait, uh, to give honor to your husband, tell me your last name. Douglas. Okay, Samantha Douglas. Yes. You know, after you work with people so long, you forget anything other than their first name. As I mentioned previously, we're going to be talking about challenges to pregnancy, uh, challenges to having healthy, thriving babies. Because not only do we want the baby to be born, but we want the baby to thrive. And part of the reason why Samantha is here is because she has three healthy children at home and she's pregnant with her fourth. Yay! Right? <laughs> and we love babies. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, conversations about how to have a healthy pregnancy and what are some of the things that we need to be concerned yeah. about? So that's a great question. And, um, you know, as a, as a pediatrician, you know, we always talk about healthy babies come from healthy mothers. Mm -hmm. But now we need to start thinking back a little bit further than that. Mm -hmm. Where do healthy mothers come from? Wow. They come from healthy women. Yes. And so the issues that we're talking about uh, start way back even before a woman becomes pregnant. You know, what does it mean to be healthy? It means to be eating healthy foods, uh, you know, not a lot of junk food, not a lot of sodas, um, you know, healthy eating. Uh, it means not even starting smoking. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, many of our problems with smoking start when, uh, when women are uh, in middle school and high school, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is way before they're even thinking about having a baby. Please, Lord. <laughs> yeah, but when, you know, by the time... Um, you know, that young woman is now thinking about having a baby, trying to quit smoking is very difficult. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about not even starting smoking, so mm -hmm. preventing smoking uh, before you even think about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are uh, lots of other issues uh, in the state of Indiana. You know, we have a, a, a large population uh, of obese people, mm -hmm. and obese people come from not eating healthy, mm -hmm. not exercising. Mm -hmm. Uh, when we talk about complications related to being pregnant and having uh, a baby prematurely, obesity is one of those factors 
that uh, contributes to um, moms delivering prematurely. Smoking relates to moms having babies that are low birth weight. You know, so we need to think about healthy women. So there's the challenge. Absolutely. And besides healthy women, we also need healthy fathers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So healthy fathers who are there uh, supporting a mom while she's pregnant and uh, having her um, be able to eat healthy and mm -hmm. rest when she needs to mm -hmm. and taking on some of those chores. We're, we're very um, mother-centric uh, yeah. in our country, right? right? And so dads need to step up. You know, expecting dads, expecting dads need to step up mm -hmm. and take on some of that responsibility to make sure that, you know, the woman stays healthy during pregnancies, that she has good foods to eat and things like that. Yeah. So once we, once we have uh, consenting adults, let me put it like that, consenting adults deciding that they are ready to expand their family, where do, where do we go from there? Yeah, I think planning is always important. Okay. Uh, so we know that uh, unintended pregnancies are more likely to result in uh, complications during pregnancy, mm -hmm. uh, including prematurity, including low birth weight. These are two of the major factors that contribute to infant mortality as having babies that are born too early and too small. So um, planning that pregnancy is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and thinking about things like if you are smoking, stop smoking before you get pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned earlier taking folic acid. Yeah. Uh, we're surprised that, um, you know, we, we, we talk to um, uh, pregnant moms all the time who have not been on folic acid or they started folic acid later on after they knew they were pregnant. So we want moms to be thinking about that and taking folic acid even before they become pregnant. Is folic acid in prenatal vitamins? It is. Oh, okay. Well, it good is. then. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Uh, but you, you know, but you want to, you know, you want to talk to your physician, um, and you know, I'm planning on having a, I'm planning on having a baby. What do I need to do mm -hmm. to be ready to do that and to be as healthy as I can be? Yeah. Uh, one of the the things that we talked about off mic because we've been talking off mic before you all got here with us on the podcast and uh, talking about the high incidence of uh, premature births, especially in the African-American community. Can you give us a little information about that? Uh, sure, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you know, we, we know um, uh, that uh, premature birth is more common in African-American women. And this so let's stop right there. Yes. And let me say that again because I want to make sure yes. everybody heard it. Premature birth is more prevalent in African American women. Premature birth is more prevalent in African American women. Okay. Yes. And I think the next thing to emphasize is that it has nothing to do with your socioeconomic status. Your education level has nothing to do with this. So a college-educated 
29, 30-year-old African-American woman is still more likely to deliver a baby prematurely than a white, a white young woman. And let, and let me put a comma right there because I was one of said uh, college-educated African-American women who had planned her pregnancy, been on folic acid for a year, looking forward to having a healthy, happy baby, and I, lo and behold, I had preterm labor and a premature son. Now, fortunately, he is still with us. We had great care from a neonatologist, and we are both here to tell the story. But I, that's what, one of the reasons why this podcast is really near and dear to my heart, because there were a lot of things that I didn't know that perhaps I could have, because I didn't smoke, wasn't drinking, I wasn't having fun, I wasn't, <laughs> I was trying everything to guarantee that I had a healthy baby. But it can happen to any, and yes, I'm African American in case you were wondering. <laughs> it can happen to an African American woman, and I didn't know that we were pre, uh, what do I want to say, meaning that way, yeah. predisposed. Thank you. I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm half. So it, it, it's, it's important. That's one of the reasons why we're getting this information out there. So just because you're doing what you think you're supposed to do, there's something about, we're not sure exactly what the evidence, what the, it's a gene, it's in the blood. We're not sure what it is right now, but you are already predisposed to have a premature baby. Right. And Joy, I think really that also emphasizes another important point, which is when you find out you're pregnant, to get prenatal care early mm -hmm. and then to maintain that relationship um, you know, with your physician, midwife, you know, throughout your pregnancy. I don't know, Samantha, maybe you want to share why that's so important. I, so for me, I've, all of my children have been um, emergency situations because I get preeclampsia. I have with each of my kids, um, three, I have three now, and this is my fourth. And, um, yeah, so having the doctors always letting me know, like, we were kind of always a step ahead, especially after the first time I had preeclampsia, that especially having children with the same father, I was going, to, I was probably going to have it each time. So, um, and like I said, with these last, the last two, um, we didn't get a heads up with the preeclampsia. It was, I went in for my 37-week appointment, and we're like, oh, we got to take this baby now type mm -hmm. of situation whereas with my first one it showed up uh, earlier in my 30 some weeks and then it just progressively got worse but at mm -hmm. least we kind of had a heads up and we could plan these last two we could mm -hmm. not so if I was not going to the doctor regularly was not getting those checkups was not getting my blood pressure regularly checked or urine checks things like that I wouldn't have known and that would have been um, very bad for me and the baby mm -hmm. That's a great uh, could we say do a, just a Quick layman's explanation of what preeclampsia is, because we've, we're throwing this term around. I want to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about. I don't know, maybe Samantha should take the first So preeclampsia is a condition where pregnant moms develop high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, they start to retain fluid. They can be spilling um, uh, protein in their urine. 
in severe cases, you also have um, involvement of the liver. Uh, and in the most severe cases, when you go from preeclampsia to eclampsia, mm -hmm. that's when your blood pressure is high enough that mothers have uh, seizures, uh, mm. actually. And that's a very dangerous situation uh, for both mom and baby. So preeclampsia is bad, but eclampsia is even worse. worse. That's, where, that's where we lose moms and babies. And another reason why it's so important that once a woman finds out she's pregnant, start going to the doctor. Do not go with the old, well, my grandmama didn't go. She went out in the field and squatted and had that. that it was a different time. It was a different time and a different world. So get medical attention early on. That's honestly, in my opinion, I, I feel as if that is one of the issues in our community in the African American community, I feel like we we do try to self-medicate a lot, mm -hmm. and even with pregnancy. And I think that because, especially because our grandmothers that they did, mm -hmm. they'd pop out ten, twelve babies and keep on ticking, you know. And so we don't really pay attention to how important it is because, like you, I had no clue about any of that. And like I said, I'm half. My mother is white, and my dad is African American. And um, I was my first pregnancy. I was seventeen. And I was an athlete. I was healthy. I was not overweight. I was not, you know, it was nothing. I was fine. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end, it just kind of all went south. <laughs> and um, so it was interesting. And then none of my pregnancies have been planned. <laughs> none of them. <laughs> not a single one. They are all with my husband, but they weren't, uh, we didn't plan or try. It was just stuff that's happened. So it's interesting in different phases of my life because now later in my life I have been unhealthy and overweight and things like that. Starting to have babies so young, mm -hmm. I feel like kind of put me on a rougher track. <laughs> but um, with this one, what's interesting is, though, I was on a really clean, healthy diet when I got pregnant, though. That's so, a good thing. Yeah, and so I think it has kind of helped me along because I'm dealing with this one so much better mm -hmm. than all of them, even though I'm the oldest now because I'm almost 28. Wow. And compared Bless to having heart. a kid at 18, it's <laughs> uh -huh. a lot different. Uh huh. But I feel a whole lot better mm -hmm. with this one. I think another thing to point out with the prenatal care and prenatal visits, it's not just the medical aspect of it, it's the support mm -hmm, that yeah. moms can receive, the connections to resources in the community mm -hmm. that can be made through those visits, and some of the education and sharing of knowledge about care for the baby afterwards. Because uh, before we started the podcast, we were talking about the, the big three, the three things that help uh are most conducive to having a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. Could you share those with our audience? Sure. I definitely can speak on the safe sleep aspect. And then we talked about smoking, cessation, and spacing. Okay. Okay. So could you give us a definition of what safe sleep is? Because, you know, at one time, the baby's supposed to sleep on his baby belly. Then the baby's supposed to sleep on his side. Then the baby's supposed to sleep on his back. And then the baby's supposed to sleep... We flipped the babies over the years. <laughs> that is a very good point. So a very easy way to understand safe sleep is the ABCs. Okay. So we used to say alone, on their back, and in a crib. And that is something that still works. It's still very easy for people to remember. Mm -hmm. But 
as you know, if anybody's ever walked into uh, Babies R Us, a Walmart, a Target, a mm-hmm. Bye Bye Baby, any big store, you will see there are so many baby products out there. And so there's so many messages saying, well, Lone Back Crib, what about this other sleeper they could sleep in? Or how about the swing? Or how about on this pillow? Or how about with this beautiful bumper? How about? Oh, yeah. And so there's so many conflicting messages that parents see. Mm-hmm. So we can add to that, actually. We can say that they should be all by myself. Some parents don't like the idea of their baby sleeping alone. It sounds like they're sad and by them, you know, just alone. Mm-hmm. So we just want to switch that. They're all by themselves, just mm-hmm. like kids want to tell you. I did it all by myself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So A is for all by myself. B is still on my back. So not only is back sleeping the safest, studies have shown that if a baby is used to sleeping on their back, and someone flips them over to sleep on their stomach for some reason, maybe a caretaker or grandparents yeah. not used to the messaging, their chances of passing away due to unsafe sleep or SIDS are 19-fold wow. that first time they're flipped over. So that's a very risky situation. So then we say in a crib, and we mean that for every sleep. I'll be the first to admit when that baby falls asleep in a car Wherever. seat. Wherever. Yeah, you don't want to move them. But those devices are not made for sleeping. Mm -hmm. Car seats are safe to sleep in when they're in the car because of the angle. But once they're removed from the car, it's not a safe place for a baby to sleep. So we really want that baby in a crib or a bassinet or a pack and play type of sleep area. Okay. We also want to make sure if we want to add to our letters, D, E, and F, we want to make sure the baby's dressed appropriately. This is where some conflict can arise with grandparents. Yeah. My mom is of the belief that the child needs to have a sleeper, a full hat, a winter coat. Yeah. Those babies are sleeping like you were in Alaska. (laughs) Yeah. And so really, baby (laughs) overheating is a risk factor with safe sleep. And so we really want those babies to be comfortable. Once it gets like this, they can just sleep like in what we would sleep in. One layer sleep. <gasps> exactly. You know, just a, a sleeper. We have sleep sacks that still let them feel like they have a blanket, but they're not. It's part of their pajamas. Those okay. are a great way to calm grandma's fears if the baby's cold. Mm-hmm. But really, at most, they only need one more layer of clothing, more than us, if that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> My mother is listening now, and she's <laughs> flipping out. Yeah. And so we don't, we do not use blankets with the babies, right? Wow. So that leads me to E, which is an empty space. We want that crib to be completely empty. That means no pillows, no blankets, no stuffed animals, no bumpers, no other people, no other pets. <laughs> and so that's hard because when people prepare for this baby to come, one of the first things that people ask is, oh, "What kind of crib set do you have? Uh-huh. What's the bedding look like?" Uh-huh. It's actually to the point that some states have made bumper pads illegal wow. you can't even purchase them um unfortunately indiana is not one of those yet well, so they are still available here mm-hmm. but we hope that we can combat that by making sure people understand that sleep space needs to be completely empty and finally we have f which is flat we want that baby flat on their back while they sleep there's no need to, to stuff things underneath them there's no need to have them sleep in a bouncy seat or a swing they really need to be flat all the time good stuff so, I, you know, so other people, grandmas and other aunts Let, and caretakers, aunts. aunts <laughs> let's say aunts. We won't, we won't pick on grandmas all the time. But they'll say, well, how's that baby going to get strong? Well, when you sleep, you're on your back. When the baby is awake, we do tummy time. So when the baby's awake and, and, and active, 
put the baby on their tummy, mm -hmm. they'll lift their head, they get their neck strong, and that's how they get strong. Not while they're sleeping, but when they're awake. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, they had a wedge that put your baby on its side. Yes. I, I didn't understand it then, but because I was a new mom, and let's face it, new moms are susceptible to buying oh, things. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes. We want to buy stuff for the new baby. So my son had a wedge, and he hated it. Yeah, and I would caution any parents there's really no need to spend money on a device that's going to keep your baby sleeping safely because it turns out those aren't actually safe. Okay. Um, and the most affordable and best way to keep your baby safe is to have just them in their sleeper, in the crib, with nothing else. Can, can I, can I um, yes, pick on please. dads a little bit? Please. <laughs> so I, I have uh, the picture um, that every dad loves to have, right? Samantha's shaking her head. She already knows what I'm going to say. It's the dad... He's asleep on the couch and the baby's sleeping, sleeping on his chest. Uh-huh. Terrible. That uh -huh. is, we can't have that anymore. And I have that picture with my oldest daughter who's, um, uh, you know, who's in her 30s. You telling her. Yeah, I appreciate Well, she's in Chicago, so okay. maybe she's not listening, but okay. we'll see. But, you know, that is uh, a habit and, you know, something that dads are all real proud of. Yeah. You know, you'll see those pictures on Facebook all the time. Yeah. That's tragedy waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. And we know of children who have died mm -hmm. because they fell asleep laying on their stomach on dad's chest. Uh, and so that is something for dads. Yeah. You know, yes. yeah. be smart. Very yeah. Be smart. And see, I was always... I don't want to call myself a spaz, but I kind of was <laughs> with, with those kind of things because uh, I don't... I'm one of those people I trust intuition probably a little too well, but I don't trust my husband with <laughs> that intuition. So when and she put it on record, well, because <laughs> well, he, he'll tell you though he's better with the babies. Like when they're awake and they're crying and stuff like that, mm -hmm. he is the most patient. The most he'll put in headphones and dance around with them, and you know he's perfect with them. But when it comes to stuff like that, he'll be knocked out and won't know the difference. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, when he wants to do something like that, I just come in behind him and take the baby off of his chest, you know? Now, that's a really great point, though, because people yeah. will say, well, I don't sleep that deeply, or I cleared out a space for the baby, and once we're asleep, we really don't know. I mean, there's been some really good work done um, where they've actually videotaped people with permission, obviously, in their room at night to show them how much they move. Yes. And when they wake up saying, oh, no, I stay in the same place, or I, I got this, I know where the baby is. And we know that's not true. No, it's and I've I, I told Dr. Boyle before in a previous conversation about uh, I've breastfed all my mm -hmm. kids, and for me that was one of the most difficult things about the safe sleep steps because uh, honestly, in the middle of the night, you don't want to go get the baby, no. feed them, then no. take them back to their bed. Then you get back in bed just for them to cry. You know, thirty, forty-five minutes later, and right. you're coming back doing the same process over again. So. Um, so, yeah, so what ends up happening is you're breastfeeding him, he's in your arm or mm -hmm. she, mm -hmm. you know, and you're falling asleep with him as they're falling asleep scary. nursing. Scary. Yes, yeah. and it is very scary. And I, I was telling him I, what helped me was the in-bed bassinet thing, you know, that has the sides on it because that way at least 
I could put him back in there and he's at least safe from us rolling over on him, you know. Right. And I always suggest to parents, like, the the pack of plays. That can yes. be pulled up right next to the bed. Yeah. And it's safe. It's easy to get to. And actually, we do encourage room sharing, just mm-hmm. not bed sharing. Right. Okay. Okay. That's important to know. Thank mm-hmm. you for giving us some ideas. Because I know there's some grandmamas out there that's like, I just... You can't put the baby in a whole nother room. Yes, yes you can, Grandma. Yes. But if, if then you go purchase the pack and play, and then you've done your part, and make sure that the baby stays in the room. Right, well, and with the pack and plays, they're portable, so if baby's going to spend the night at some another relative's for the weekend, or the, it's very easy to take over and show them how to use. I never used my crib. I yeah. only used the pack and play, the bassinet part when they were smaller, mm-hmm. and then once they got bigger, I just took the top out and would put them in the bottom. I never, and like you said, my kids always only slept in a onesie, and then we'd swaddle them in a receiving blanket, and that was it. That's all they slept with. And nowadays, you can get the sleepers with the blanket as like a sack, as which is part of it, so it's even less laundry to do. Right? <laughs> now, there you have it. Can I make a pitch for Saturday? Absolutely. So Saturday do. at the corner of 30th and MLK, yes. we will be here, uh, Riley will be here, and we will have a, a table set up, and we will be demonstrating safe Wonderful. sleep practices. And we'll challenge people to come and look at what's in the crib and decide whether this is a safe sleep place or not. And so we'll be here Saturday. We'll be here from 10 to 2, I yes. believe, uh, on Saturday right here at the tent. So. And go ahead. Oh, we'll also have some safe sleep board books for families to read to their kiddos that also emphasize safe sleep and some magnets with some do's and don'ts just to help remind everybody. Wonderful, wonderful. And for those of you who will hear the podcast today, which is, I don't even know what today is. Tuesday. Tuesday. (laughs) And I don't even have an infant. Uh, This evening, here at the corner of 30th and MLK, we will be having a continuing this discussion about safe sleep, about spacing pregnancies, about information for to empower women, because that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to empower women so that they can in turn empower their babies. That's strange. Yes, but we, we want to empower the babies so we can have uh, healthy, happy children. So once again, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Dr. Boyle. Thank you, Kara. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Samantha. No problem. You just keep breathing. (laughs) Keep keep breathing. Shallow breaths. Right. (laughs) Water. Yeah. Whatever you need to do, because we need you to hold on to this baby to the end of the tank. Right. This is Joy Rose. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Pastor Gurdon in his absence for giving us this opportunity. Thanks.